And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'd like you to turn to a couple places in your Bibles before we get started. If you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 6 and then mark your place there. 2 Kings chapter 6 and put something there. And then if you would turn over to Acts 22 and we'll be there first. So 2 Kings chapter 6, mark that spot and then turn to Acts 22. It is a special day today where we will be observing communion and um, I have worked hard to tie a portion of our study in Acts right to our communion time and I hope that does come through. Um, If you are not normally uh, an attender here at Calvary, you're not sure what communion is, we'll give some instructions about that in a little bit. It's nothing to get nervous about. It's just we are being obedient to the Lord's instruction in observing the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist, some would call it, um, until Jesus Christ comes back for us. Would you bow with me one more time and we'll ask for God's blessing as we approach his word? Heavenly Father, we would look to you with an expectation that something beautiful and special is going to happen in the next several moments as your people are joined together on this day. We have your beautiful word before us. We have the Holy Spirit right here ministering in our midst. And we would ask that right now we could get as much as possible out of this time. We call on you for this. We would ask that it would be so special to us that it would drive us as we go throughout our lives and throughout our week. Please be clearly involved in our time together today. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is common that I will encourage people to be constantly sharing God's stories. This past Wednesday, we were here meeting with a group for prayer and somebody raised their hand. I've got a God story. Even yesterday, I had the opportunity to be with a teenager, and um, I was sharing something that God had done and how amazing he was, and he said, I've got a God story. You want to hear it? And I was thrilled to hear this God story from this 13 or 14-year-old, because that's where we live, everyone. It's very important that you know the specifics of the gospel, what Jesus Christ did, what you need to do to turn to him. But when you walk in this world, what is going to connect with people is when they can see there is something about your life that is different, that is attractive, something that God has done. And while many people would just say, well, that was just a lucky day or something that happened that was just good fortune, those of you who know God and you know the working power of the Holy Spirit within you, you know that that was not just luck. That was God guiding your path. And what we need to do is we need to dig deep. And from times like today when we come to the Lord's table and observe this, it is my prayer that it will drive us to a place where after we leave this place, where we have to understand how beloved we are and have very much on our minds and on our hearts, deep on your hearts, how loved those people that you're going to interact with are to God and that you can share that same thing with them. You can share with them what God has done for you. I want to talk about sharing your story. And I want to suggest to you, a lot of people have a testimony, and that testimony can be something that maybe you've shared multiple times. It can be a special 
um, uh, story for you, and that's sweet to have that. But I want to challenge you to go beyond that and keep your eyes open, if I can use this picture, to put on glasses, if you will, to see God working in your life. No other explanation for it. I've shared with some, I, I've prayed for my own children um, for, for years and years, and three things I prayed for them constantly for over a decade. I, pr- I would pray that they would have a love and passion for the Word of God. I would pray that my kids would be honest in all that they say and all that they do. It's so rare in our day. I would also pray that God would have them put others before themselves, that they would have a servant's heart. This is the Bible definition of greatness. Just in the past three years, I added a fourth prayer request, and it has to do with exactly what we're going to talk about today. And that is that they would clearly see God working in their life. Not call it dumb luck, not call it anything else, but say, God did that. And that's what you need to have. You need to be able to say, look what God did today in my life. You need to be able to tell others about this. Let me share one story with you. Just yesterday, I was at the grocery store. I had a couple of teenagers at my house, uh, you know, playing video games. And so I know what teenagers like. I went and bought some pizza rolls from the grocery store for them. And as I was walking out of the grocery store, I ran into my friend Donna Luke. Many of you know Donna Luke. She's the director of the Pregnancy Resource Center of Lapeer. She's also a pastor's wife, and um, she ministers here in town, and I love her and appreciate her and her husband, and so we got to talking, and she shared a story with me, because she was dressed up. I was dressed down. I had been doing yard work, and I was um, just, I was not looking fit for anything except for yard work at that point, and she looked lovely. She had just come from a funeral, actually, uh, dressed up, and she shared with me in less than two minutes something. And when we got done, I said, you need to share that with everybody you come in contact with. Because she told me that a few years ago, they lived, they ministered down here in the Metamora area, uh, Thornville Baptist Church. And she said, some years ago, we decided to move very close to our current home, but it was hard, and, but we made the decision to do it. And we went ahead and moved and changed homes. And as we got to our new home, there were some neighbors across the street. And uh, Fred, her husband, had opportunity to witness to them. And they got opportunity to see that couple across the street come to Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. And she was coming from the funeral of her neighbor that her husband had the privilege of leading to Jesus Christ. Can I suggest to you that we do not have to be in a place where we say, man, I wish stuff like that would happen to me where I'd get that opportunity. I asked you to hold off on your slips, and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take it at this time, and I'll refer to this later on, but I want you to write down. So grab a pen or pencil. There should be some pencils in the pew rack in front of you. I want you to write down a couple different references. I wrote down the reference um, as well as a part of the verse, but I want you to keep this. So if you can separate it from the attendance part, we still want you to fill out that attendance slip and keep that in the place in front of you. Go ahead and tear it right now. Go ahead, tear. Everybody tear. I won't be distracted at all, I promise. And then tear it in half again. So where it says prayer requests, I want you to keep this part. And I want you to write down two references. All right, here are the references. Colossians 4.3, and we'll come to these in a little bit. Colossians 4.3, and then 2 Kings 6.17. So write down Colossians 4.3, 2 Kings 6.17. I'm going to ask you to put that piece of paper somewhere where you see it. Maybe you have a bulletin board in your house that you can tack it up on. 
And you can see these verses. You might put it um, on your refrigerator. Maybe for some of us, we'll see it more if we put it inside of our refrigerator, right? Uh, write down Colossians 4.3 and 2 Kings 6.17. And I want you to keep this paper. And I'll come back to that in just a little bit. I'm suggesting to you that you do not have to be an Apostle Paul to have the stories like he had. I'm suggesting to us, church family, that you do not have to be a pastor or a pastor's wife to have a story about being the one that planted the seed or watered it, to have that story about someone coming to Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you that as Colossians 4.3 Colossians 4.3 says, we need to pray for a door of opportunity to open up. And then 2 Kings 6, and we need to apply this in the right way. This is a story about the Old Testament prophet Elisha and how he had a servant that was there and all that servant could see was the enemy that was around and he could not see what God was doing. We'll come to that later on in our time. What I want to do is I want to drive us to this place of the table. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, we'd invite you to join with us as we observe communion. And what I want is for us to have a very private and personal time of communion with Jesus Christ when we do this. And my prayer and my hope is that it drives you to when you leave this place, have a heart to share your story, whether it be your story of in the past when God saved you in a wonderful way or what God is doing right now in your life. There are a few different ways that we look at communion. We think of communion, and I think Jesus gives us all three of these. When we think of communion, we think of the past. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We're supposed to remember what Jesus did in the past. We're also supposed to remember what we were in the past, how we were separated from our creator because of sin. We're also supposed to think on the present We're supposed to do an examination when we come. I want to suggest to you to think on this. Maybe maybe this will be the one little nugget that you'll take away today. When you think of communion, just remember that you are not alone in this world. How many of you have felt alone? I know. It can feel very, even though you're surrounded by hundreds of people, we can feel very lonely in this world. And yet when we come to communion, we are not alone. God has given us his Holy Spirit, but he's also given us a church family. That's his plan. And for people outside of church, they try to mimic this in every way possible. Good causes, everything you can imagine, they try to mimic it with. But God's plan is for his children to be plugged into a local church. And then also we look at the future. Jesus Christ said, do this until I come. Jesus gave the command for us to have communion together until he returns. And then Jesus also gave every one of us something. If you're a follower of Christ today, without exception, doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, doesn't matter if you're raised in a Christian family or if you've never been in church until recently, doesn't matter the amount of sin you've done in the past, or how squeaky clean you've been your entire life. Jesus Christ has given every one of his followers a story. A story of coming to him. And a story of how he is working in our lives. When I reference these verses, Colossians 4, 3, we pray that God will open a door of opportunity for us to share. But I want to suggest to us that many of us need to keep praying that and then also pray that God would give us eyes to see. Do you have eyes to see? 
Are they there? I didn't think a whole lot about what I'm going to say next, so maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. But let me suggest this. I think that one of the biggest lies that believers have swallowed is the famous expression that you cannot talk about religion or politics. And I want to suggest to you that it's going to be different in different areas. Maybe if you go to a very liberal area, that might be different than it is right here where you live. Maybe you're in a um, university setting and it's very different to have that conversation. Maybe you're in school somewhere and to have that conversation is going to be very different from you than from somebody else. I want to suggest to you this, when you're because my goal is to make every one of you struggle with what's my story I'm going to tell? What have I seen God do? And then to open our eyes, who am I going to tell it to? Who are you going to tell it to? I, I want to suggest that that lie that we cannot talk about religion, that is really, really a lie that the devil loves you to swallow. Because I think people, many people, would love for you to ask. And what's your fear that you're going to hear? I had a bad experience with church. Can I suggest to you that that might be the next step in their life to getting back in church or to coming to Jesus Christ? To have the conversation. My experience is people are open to talking about this. As long as they don't think you're selling something, and as long as they believe that you are genuine, people are open to talking about this. But you've got to look for those inroads. I've got an inroad just yesterday. Um, and I'll share it with you. I have no idea what will come of it. And maybe I will never know until I get to heaven. I don't know. I was uh, driving through town and I stopped in the post office. Post office was closed. And there was one car in front of me putting their mail right in the mail slot right there. And uh, they had an Illinois license plate. I'm from Illinois. And I uh, grew up there and uh, ministered there for five years before I came here. And as I saw the Illinois license plate, I saw their reverse. I was right behind them ready to put my mail in. Their reverse lights came on. Well, I immediately put mine in reverse and backed up. And they backed up and pulled over to the side here. They were from out of town. Something was a little bit unique. And I've been praying. And by the way, one of you has been praying for me that there would be open doors. I've asked one of you who wonderfully witnesses to pray for me to have those open doors. And so I saw this plate from Illinois, and I saw them pull over to the side. So I dropped my mail off, and then I pulled up next to them. And some of you are thinking, you know, weirdo, right? Some of you are thinking stalker, right? And I just kind of, our windows were up, so I kind of put my window down. And so the daughter put her window down. She was an adult daughter. And I said, are y'all from Illinois? I dropped a y'all on them there. Are y'all from Illinois? People think that's the South, but you, you Michiganders think Illinois is the South. It's not. Southern Illinois kind of is. That's by Kentucky. So um, we talked for a little bit, and the mom had just moved here to be with her kids, and I was able to ask the question, do you have a church anywhere yet? Because they're new to the area. And she said, well, yes, we do. And they told me about a church they were going to attend down in Oxford. And I was able to tell them about the church here and about the radio station, and they tuned it in right while we were talking there. And I said, if you tune in tomorrow, you can hear our church service right at 10 o'clock on the radio station, and welcome them to Lapeer. I don't know what will come up with. I don't know if they'll see me again or not. But I want to suggest to us that God is opening doors all over the place, but I want to also suggest to us that we need to go back to 2 Kings 6 and pray that God will give us eyes to see those. <clears throat> Yesterday I talked with my wife, and I ran into one of the uh, sporting coaches of Lapeer schools here. Uh, he works with one of my uh, kids, 
and I was uh, going around town, ran into him, and uh, talked with him about the upcoming season. And um, as we were talking, I was able to ask the question. I've, I've already had a uh, relationship with him, and so I went ahead and asked him the question, do you have a church anywhere? I've not had anybody give me a dirty look yet. People will have a story, and many of you know people who are going to have maybe a bad story. Maybe some of you are part of the reason why somebody does have a bad story about church. I don't know. Having said that, I got back home and talk, told my wife, and I said, yeah, I coach so-and-so, and I was talking to him. He doesn't have a church anywhere. And she said, well, how do you know? And I said, well, I asked him. And I'm looking for what's going to happen next. What's God doing? And so this morning, I'm walking around Lapeer, and I'm going up, and guess who comes running up alongside me? Same guy. Same guy. Right at the exact same time. What a coincidence, right? Some of you know that I say that with my tongue in my cheek. There's no coincidence about it. This coach jogged right up, and he said, I've been trying to catch you for the past couple miles, which made me feel good. <laughs> and we walked side by side, and, uh, and then he encouraged me, well, you want to run with me? So we ran together the whole route right around town here and then departed. And I know he doesn't have a church. I know I'm going to see him again. I know my kids are likely going to see him in sports can I suggest to you that we do not need to say, God, would you please give us another half dozen or dozen or 24 more open doors? I think the doors are there, brothers and sisters. I think they're there. Every one of you that knows Jesus Christ, you have something. And can I suggest to you, you won't regret it. These signs that are posted all up, be bold, you won't regret it. They are there. And I think as we come to communion, this is the idea that we celebrate our story when we take these elements and then we are motivated that everyone can have their own story. We're in Acts 22. All I'm going to read today is Paul's story. Paul's story. Um, in Acts chapters 1 through 7, we find the church begins. We find Pentecost. By the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. That's 50 days after Easter, Pentecost Sunday. In Acts 1 through 7, we find the ministry of Peter and the martyrdom of Stephen. And then in chapters 8 through 12 of Acts, the gospel goes outside of Jerusalem. We find the conversion of the apostle Paul, but the focus is still on Peter up until Acts 12. And then in chapters um, 13 through 21, we find Paul's three missionary journeys, and we've just finished that. It's been a long study. Let me go ahead and say something for you. For some of you, I'm going to warn you because some have some vacations planned in the next several weeks, trips. I'm glad for you. I love it when folks can get rested and get away. Um, but I'm going to let you know this. There is a good possibility that we're going to be done with this study probably in the next four to six weeks. Very possible. That doesn't seem quite right, but the reason is is because for the fourth part, the fourth section in the book of Acts, what we find here is the Apostle Paul and we find him under arrest, and we find him sharing his story. So for the rest of our time, the Apostle Paul is under arrest, and we find him giving his story in five defenses. Apologetics means defense of your faith. There are five times where he gives a defense before this mob here in Jerusalem, and next week we'll back up and give the background to it. Before the council, before Felix, before Festus, and before Agrippa. He's going to give his story five times. And so let's go ahead and read Acts 22, starting in verse number 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 21. Here's what the Apostle Paul says after he is arrested and taken in. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. 
And when they heard that he was addressing them in in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell down to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everywhere of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. His speech stops there because when he uses the word Gentiles, the people would no longer hear. He does a few things here. First of all, he gains an audience with them. He makes sure he has someone, these ones that could hear. He gets permission to speak to them. And I want to suggest to us that a theme verse for the rest of our time in the book of Acts is going to be 1 Peter 3.15. And 1 Peter 3.15 is one of the verses that we as believers, I think, interpret in a mistaken way. Where we look at that verse and we kind of think of that verse as, okay, I will be ready to give a reason for why I follow Jesus Christ if someone comes and asks me. So picture this. Picture, this is what a lot of Christians do. So if I'm going through, you know, the the Arby's drive through and I get my Jamocha shake or whatever you like to get and I'm pulling away and somebody shouts out, hey, 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 by the way, is there any way you can tell me what you believe about God and about heaven? Can you help me out with that? And then I'll be ready to give an answer. Is that what God is getting at here? 
I want to suggest no, but the way the verse is worded makes it sound like that. Be prepared to give an answer for someone when someone comes to you. And so I went ahead and changed it around a little bit and said this. We need to be active with giving the reason for the hope that is within us. You need to gain an audience. You need to be trustworthy. You need to be, if you are a worker, you need to be the best worker that you can be and follow Jesus Christ. If you are a neighbor, you need to be the best neighbor that you could possibly be and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and then trust him to open doors and then ask him to give you eyes so that you can see. If you want to take away from the message today, it is this. In each of us should be a very personal connection to Christ during communion and a very public display that our special connection is available to others. In each of us should be a personal connection to Christ during communion and a very public display that what we have is available to others. And so communion with God is going to involve something very private, but then something very public. Very quickly, I want to encourage you to share your testimony, to share your testimony. I asked you to write those two verses on there. Now, if you're creative, some of you are creative, you can go and rewrite it later on in nicer handwriting. You might type it out on a nice font and display it somewhere. Um, You might put it on, I don't know, something. But a couple brief ways you can share your testimony is by telling how your life was different before following Christ. Do you see that in the Apostle Paul's testimony? He talks about before following Christ. Why does he do that? Because that's where these guys are at. They were persecuting the church. They hated the message of Jesus Christ. And so he says to gain an audience with them, this is exactly what I did. But here's how God changed my life. So you can tell others how your life was different before following Christ. And also, you can tell others why your life is filled with hope now that you follow Christ. I think another lie that we as churches are guarding against is the lie that the words peace and prosperity can only belong to people who do not approach the gospel correctly. When I say a phrase like the prosperity gospel, these people that are saying you'll get all your diseases healed and your bank account will be full, that's a shame that people do that. But we have almost let those people take the word peace, and so we can't use it. We need to be very, very careful that we don't tell people all your problems are going to go away if you come to Jesus Christ. But very much so, we need to be able to tell people why my life is filled with hope now that I follow Jesus Christ. And look for that open door. Maybe it's a license plate from somewhere you'll know, uh, from some state you know. Maybe it's someone who is a uh, Tigers fan along with you. Maybe it's someone who has, look for a similarity. Look for a connection. People are not afraid to talk about church or about God or about Jesus Christ. And by the way, if they are and if they get defensive, praise the Lord for that. Because very much so, that might be what God is doing to lead them to a place. Would you go ahead and, um, I'm going to read, go and turn to Colossians 4. Let's read these verses out loud and then we'll go to the Lord's table. Colossians chapter 4 is just a few pages to the right from Acts. I want you to lay your eyes on these. I want you to write these down. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 4, 2, I'm sorry, 4, 3. Colossians 4, 3, the Apostle Paul prays and asks this church that he did not start and he did not know these people. But he says this in Colossians 4, 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. 
that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So I want you to pray for that. And then you marked your place in 2 Kings 6. Go ahead and turn there. I'm going to read this story. Now don't take the Old Testament out of context. This is something that God did in the Old Testament, but I think very much so. We need to pray that God will open our eyes like Elisha prays for this young man. 2 Kings 6, let's start in verse number 11. This is when Elisha was um, trying to be, they were trying to kill him because he was having wonderful success for God. Verse 11 of 2 Kings 6, And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who, prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. And so he sent their horses and chariots and a great army and they came by night and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I want to suggest to you that what God is doing all around you, all of these things that are going on, you can't even see most of them. Even this day, what has God done that you have no idea about? All these things that he in his all-knowing, all-power, all-presence, all these things, what has he done? There are things that you and I don't even know about. What we need to do is be faithful. Look for the open doors and then ask God to help us to go through those. Give us eyes to see. What a beautiful picture we have of one who was able to see. And there will be a day where you'll see everything clearly, okay? Right now we're in this world, it's like squinting through a fog, like looking through a mucky window, kind of. And there's gonna be a day where we see just perfectly clearly, and we're gonna say, my goodness, June 4th, 2017, God did this and this and this and this to bring this about in my day? I had no idea. Can I suggest to you that nothing is too hard for God? Can I suggest to you that the God that you and I serve is so powerful? He has something so wonderful for your life and for our church. Would you pray that he would give us eyes to see this? And right now, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and your hearts and worship him to drive us to that place. Let's go ahead and bow together. I'll ask the men who are serving to come forward at this time. Heavenly Father, I look to you as one that is going to bring about opportunities. There are hundreds of different connections represented in this room right here today, Lord. We thank you for that. Would you give everyone eyes to see? See a faith that they have, that they follow you, and how incredible you are. And we thank you that it was not just a couple thousand years ago that you did this, but you're working in this way in our lives today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.